0: If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Um, Good morning and welcome. Um, As I say, if it's your first time with us, welcome. This is obviously the normal at the moment, um, but hopefully we'll make small steps over the coming weeks to be able to join together a little bit more. Um, We start a new series today. So we've just finished looking at the I am's of Jesus, and last week we finished with an I am at the end of the Bible, which was I am the Alpha and the Omega, and today we're going to look at a series from 1 Timothy, it's a book in the New Testament, it's a letter written to a young pastor, so a little bit like me really, Um, obviously, I think he was thought to be about 28, so that's not like me, about 20 years ago it was me, Um, and it's six chapters long. So one of the things I want to encourage you to do as you join with us in these things is to read the book along with us. If you'd have been doing the devotionals, you'll have read all of Acts. If you do this series, you'll have read all of 1 Timothy. If you go back over other series, you'll have read a large portion of God's Word for yourself. So yeah, we're looking at 1 Timothy. There's some controversial bits in it. There's some bits that cause debate. But today, we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. And the title of this series is Building the Church, because it's a letter written to a church leader. It's written to give guidance, to give guidelines for the best way to be church, for the best way to lead the church, and as a result, for the best way to be church. It was clearly meant to be shared With a wider audience although it was a personal letter from paul to timothy it was meant to be shared It includes some do's and don'ts for the church as one of my lecturers at cape may said it includes the most difficult and often mistranslated passage in the whole of the bible but more on that in about two weeks time i think so uh, stay tuned for that one but it starts and ends with the same message chapter one and chapter six start and end with the same message to the church. So it has a sandwich of instructions in between, but starts and ends with the same message. So let's dive straight in to the first 11 verses of chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I'm reading from the NIV uh, and a little bit of the message later on. But 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 11 say this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope, To Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. There's the introduction. That's the, hi Timothy, how are you doing? From Paul. And he goes on to say this, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love. There is the starting instruction that is at the beginning and the end. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm." We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made, sorry, we also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. I'm just going to stop there with those first 11 verses. And I want us to look at a few things today. The first thing I want us to think about is conspiracy theories. You may have a favourite conspiracy theory of your own. You may have one that you go to. I could start a conspiracy theory here. I've got a, a wound on my hand that was caused by a knife. I could start a rumour that it was caused by somebody at home and actually I fought them off bravely and I could, I could start this rumour that this happened when actually I was separating some frozen gammon steaks with a knife and I slipped. <laughs> So actually, yo, thank, you. thank you to Uche, who, who punched me up and then did it again on Thursday. So, but a conspiracy theory spreads like wildfire. A rumour, especially now online, can spread like nothing else. Growing up, I think the main conspiracy theories that were around were things like the moon landing was not real. That, that people believed the moon landing was filmed in a studio in America that they didn't actually land on the moon. Now... I'm not saying whether one or the other is true but actually my question would be what's the reason they would make up a thing like that? Well you might say it's to beat the Russians in the space race. It might be that it was important that they got there first. So there's one conspiracy theory that kept going on and on as a child. The other one that they made films out of and documentaries was who shot JFK? Who shot John F. Kennedy? Was it really the grassy knoll or the person in the bookstore? Was it any of those things? And there are conspiracy theories galore to say, oh, we don't trust the authorities on this. There are so many voices shouting for your attention and my attention right now. Since the advent of social media and the internet, there have been some incredible claims put out there that become shared and shared millions of times. It's no longer just those little stories that you know through word of mouth. It's now, every day, you can find an outrageous statement or a video that you can believe to be true. In recent years, there's been a huge increase in the number of people who believe the earth to be flat. The Flat Earth Society has followers all around the globe, apparently. But um, in the recent pandemic, maybe, you might have heard some of the stories. There have been people sharing videos of doctors who claim it's all fake and a hoax interestingly, don't share the same videos of the same doctors saying that people are getting pregnant by aliens visiting them in the dreams, but they trust the one piece of information and they share it abroad. And they say, look at this, you need to know. I am not here today in my role as pastor of Springmount Church to debunk theories or to say I'm claiming this side or the other. But we do need to sometimes ask, what is God's purpose for us and what does he want us to focus on? What is God's purpose for us as a church and as individuals? And what does he want us to focus on? Timothy is being charged with building kingdoms building God's kingdom in Ephesus. We, as a church, are charged with building God's kingdom in three worshiping communities. That is what we are charged with. That is our mission. That is what we've been, we believe God has called us to do, to build kingdom, to build his kingdom. Not our kingdom, his kingdom. Barrow, you know, Ephesus They might be similar places. Ephesus, a city full of huge diversity of many different cultures. Does that sound a bit like Barrow? Maybe, maybe not. But actually, it was a city that was an important place on the trade route. It became a real melting pot of different cultures, different religions, and different practices. Clearly, Paul is warning Timothy here not to let anything false be taught in the church, but also not to be distracted from the main purpose of the church. Verse 4 says, people who are devoting themselves to myths and endless genealogies. We can share a video on Facebook that we might not know to be true, and it could be a myth. We're not to devote ourselves to myths. We're not to devote ourselves to things that could or could not be true. That one expert says this and another expert says this. Our focus is not to be on a conspiracy theory, but to focus on what we can state as absolute fact And that is the truth of Jesus, the truth that Jesus is love, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is all those things we've looked at. That is our focus. Verse 6 says, don't get distracted by meaningless talk. We can have arguments galore with other Christians about something that is relatively unimportant. It might seem important to us and it might be a real particular bugbear, but actually There's no point in getting distracted by meaningless talk because our focus is to be Jesus and his love. Our focus is to be the truth of God, not myths, not what could be, but what is and what was and what is to come. Verse six talks about meaningless talk. Verse seven talks about these people who are sharing these myths and and meaningless talk, saying they don't know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We could like something on Facebook, we could like something on social media, confidently sharing it, saying, yes, I can remember somebody shared a video of um, what was supposed to be an archaeological dig where they'd found mummified remains of charioteers in the Red Sea, claiming it was the Egyptian charioteers that chased after the, the, the Israelites as they crossed the Red Sea. And people were sharing this video because it looked amazing. And it was like, wow, here we've got some some video proof of something that we, we stand as a firm foundation that the Israelites were saved by God. And yet actually it came from a spoof news website. It was made up. It looked amazing. It looked true. But we need to be a little bit more confident in what we share. We need to do a bit more digging in who we listen to. And evidently, Timothy is told, focus on love. Focus on Jesus. Forget the the careless talk, the meaningless talk, the myths, the things that could be, and focus on the things that are. Jesus, his sacrifice, his love, and his will that we follow him and listen to his calling. When we share that video on Facebook, can we confidently affirm something? Do we know what we're talking about? When we share that story, that piece of information with somebody, do we know that to be true? Or should we just go back to saying, actually, let's not get involved in meaningless talk. As a church, let's first share what is true. There's the first building block that Timothy is told by Paul. Share what is true. Share what is good. One of my favourite books in the Bible is Philippians, and chapter 4 is a particular chapter that I think is amazing. And verse 8 of Philippians chapter 4 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The message version is even clearer. It says this, summing it all up, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. It's quite clear what Paul is saying to Timothy is the same as he says here to the Philippians. Meditate on what's true. Maybe before we share something, a piece of information, a piece of news, an email, a text, a thing on Facebook or Instagram or any of those things, maybe we need to run it through the filter of, is it true? First and foremost, is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it admirable? Is it lovely? Is it excellent or praiseworthy? And then maybe we can think before we post. Just a thought as we go into building the church. So first instruction to Paul in his letter is, don't waste time talking about stuff that may or not be, may not be true, but may also not be even that relevant. Instead, fix our thoughts on the best, the beautiful, and the praiseworthy. There we go. Three things to fix our minds on today. The best, the beautiful, and the praiseworthy. Maybe you can say that in your home right now. Fix your eyes on the best, the beautiful, and the praiseworthy. Keep that in your mind. Keep it running to see whether or not what we post, what we write, what we say can go through the filter of God's love and his grace. It talks about genealogies. Genealogies were a bit of a Hebrew trait. It was a list your family tree and show how important your family was, who the important people historically were in your family. It was a bit of an old school, my dad is bigger than your dad argument. you know. I could ask people here on the tech team if their dad's a certain height and we could find out whose dad is the biggest and settle that argument once for all. You know, I think maybe Ian Salter might be a touch bigger than me. I think Jeff McDonald is perhaps a bit smaller than me, maybe. Um, but anyway, but, and Jeff Hoffin's definitely smaller than me. Definitely smaller than me. Sorry, Jeff. But, uh, so whose dad is bigger than anyone? Hebrew way of doing that was, here's my family tree, here's my genealogy. Look at that, boom, it's got kings in it, it's got princes in it, I am important, that's me. That is why in the Gospels there are two family trees of Jesus listed. You might wonder sometimes when you read through these list of names, why are they there? Well, genealogies were important, but in the Gospels the important thing is this, in Jesus' family tree it contains murderers, it contained adulterers, it contained people who lied and cheated, it contained people who were unimportant on both Mary and Joseph's side because Jesus came to break that old myth, to break that old chain of you're important because of who your past was. You're important because of who your future is in. You're important because of who your future is in. And Paul says it's gotta be in Jesus. Forget the genealogies, forget the myths. Focus on the one who is beautiful, who is best and who is true. We need to stop boasting about the past and move into tomorrow. Second thing I want to talk about is controversies and family trees. We've said that. Such things promote controversial speculations, is verse 5. Rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. What do we want to do? Do we want to advance God's work? Or do we want to get stuck in controversial speculation? Do we want to get stuck in mired things? Be heroes. We notice in that verse 5, it finishes by advancing God's work, which is by faith. Some of you might remember before the summer we had a series on heroes and it was by faith such and such did this, by faith such and such did the other. Be a hero because by faith we can advance God's work. How do we do it? Through love. What is your goal in life? If I asked you today what is your aim for the next five years, what is your goal, what would it be? You know, there were some children in different schools that were asked what they wanted to do or be when they grew up. And I've got some photos in a minute, but I've got one story first. One reply was, I want to get a girlfriend, kiss her, and rule the world. There is a goal. I want to get a girlfriend, kiss her, and rule the world. Signed, Cory Love, 20 age. No, it wasn't, it wasn't Cory Love. I think it was probably signed Donald Trump or Boris Johnson, maybe. Who knows? I want to show you some pictures of different children's goals. So here you go, here's the first one, and by the Master of Technology we get it on. When I grow up, I want to be a dog. You know, that is not an achievable goal, that is not going to happen. It might be a nice thing to think about, because dogs, my dogs lie around all day sleeping, it might not be a bad thing. The second one, this one, my future looks bright, after high school I will die. That's his goal, after high school I will die. You know, there's a happy thought for a Sunday morning, there's his goal, there's his ambition. Third one, I've only got four of these. The third one is this, I love this one, you've got to look carefully. At the top it says, I will never get married. And then there's a picture of him lying back going, this is the life. You know, that is his goal, because he sees marriage as being a no-no. I will never get married, this is the life. And my, my final one was this one, this little girl, she put, I am three years old. When I grow up, I will have a mint in my water and I'll grow bigger and bigger and bigger and grow a beard. Maybe she will. You know, I know people who've grown beards, no matter whether they're male or female. So what is your goal today? What is your aim? What would you say, where are you going? Maybe it's to move house or move location. Maybe your goal or your aim is a new job, a new new place of working. Maybe it's a new career. Maybe it's a new start at college. Many people have gone back to school, and maybe they've got fresh aims and fresh goals. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's like that boy at the beginning who said, I want to have a girlfriend, kiss her, and rule the world. Maybe that is your aim. Verse 5 says the goal is this. God's work and God's love by faith. That is the goal. That is what Timothy is being told the goal is by Paul as the church. The goal is God's work, God's love by faith. Love, it actually says, uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith. A life that is open to God. Is that us today? As we set off this look at building a church and what it takes to become part of God's family, is that us Do we seek to have a love that is uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith? Is our life open to God? What a goal to have that is. It's better than after high school I will die. Definitely better than that. And to work by faith. To love and to work by faith. To put self-interest to one side. To put the things that have taken up our focus to one side and say, Jesus, you be the centre. To put our... All those things, God first, relationship maybe second, others, and then us. Self-interest to one side. It's so hard because we all want things for ourselves. We all have desires. We all have aims and goals. But actually, our wants might not be God's will. As Ray Tate talked about two weeks ago, our wants might not be God's will. So if we just want the things for ourselves, we will end up disappointed and disillusioned. Because God is the only way to keep love our goal. Timothy says this, the whole point of what we are urging is simply love. Sacrificial, unconditional, giving, no matter what, love. That's the message version, how it states it. Let me read that again. The whole point, that's everything. That is the goal, the whole point of what we are urging is simply. It's simple, it's not complicated. Simply love. Sacrificial, unconditional, giving no matter what, love. Forget the myths. Forget that my dad's bigger than yours. Just speak about what we know to be true. That God's love casts out fear. That God's love is incredibly life-affirming and saving the last and final bit of instruction that Paul gives Timothy in this opening greeting is a bit like origami. It's twofold. There we go. There's a joke. It's what we say and how we say it. What we say and how we say it, and what we do and how we live it. That's the simplicity of it. What we say and how we say it, what we do and how we live it. I want to read verses 8 to 11 in the message version. It says this, it's true that moral guidance and counsel need to be given, but the way you say it and to whom you say it are as important as what you say. Let's get that into our heads today, particularly leaders, particularly people who are in uh, responsibility. It ain't what you say, it's the way that you say it. it reminds me of a song. Some of, uh, Marie and Donna will know this one. They'll join in singing as backing singers in a minute. It ain't what you say, it's the way that you say it. That's, do what you do it, Okay. It ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. That's what gets results. That song has been teaching truth for many, many years. That's what gets results. That's what Paul says to Timothy. It ain't what you say, it's the way that you say it. The law is important. We all agree the law is important. But actually, there's different ways of putting that law across. A girl that Ros was once teaching floristry to was stopped by the police. She was a little bit ditzy and she was stopped while driving by the police, in a minor sort of situation. It would have been a simple warning, a bit of a slap on the wrist and say, don't do it again. But the police officer said to her, do you have a clean license? To which she replied, in all honesty, yes, because I keep it in this little plastic wallet. Do you have a clean license? Yes, because I keep it in this little plastic wallet. She got three points for being sarcastic. She was being honest. She didn't realise what the policeman was asking. And the law is important, but what we say and how we say it and who we say it to is just as important. Because if we say the wrong thing in the wrong way, it doesn't get results. It ain't what you say, it's the way that you say it. It ain't what you do, it's the way that you do it. That's what gets results. Today, as we look at Paul's instructions for building up the church in a time where everybody was living by the, if it feels good, do it motto. Ephesus was a place of hedonistic life. People did whatever they wanted, however they wanted, whenever they wanted, with whoever they wanted. We need to realize that not everything is good for us. Relationship issues. Let's think just purely on relationship issues. Many of these are caused, not always, but many of them are caused by the misuse of sex. Marriage and family breakdowns, porn addiction, disease, abuse of children, abuse of adults. Many of those things are misuse of sex. What does God say about sex? He says it's beautiful. He says it's amazing when it's in a married, committed relationship because there it won't be used to belittle. There it might not be used to abuse. There won't necessarily be the insecurity or trauma. There might not be the comparisons or the fear of hurt or brokenness. Now, if I put it that way, it's easier to understand why God says when a man leaves his mother and father, he joins with one woman. When a woman leaves her mother and father, she joins with one man. It's easier to understand if we recognise that actually God wants the best for us and just one area of life. If I said to you, no sex before marriage, you might go, oh, Many people in our world would say, I'm backwards, I'm old-fashioned. Maybe they would say that's God being a killjoy. But actually, no. God knows what's best for us. And God knows how our bodies and our minds and our lives want to work. And so actually, what we say and how we say it can make a huge difference, can't it? Timothy is told there is moral guidance. The Bible is full of moral guidance we need to follow, not because God is a killjoy, but because God knows what's best. But because he knows what we need to thrive, and he knows what we need to stop us from being anxious, he knows what we need to stop from the failure of comparison, he knows what we need to stop from the failure of of disappointment and dissatisfaction. He knows what we need to be the best. Yet time and time again, we ride roughshod over the guidelines that God has put in place for living the best life. Why? Because of that self-interest. Because we put me first. Because we put I smack bang in the middle. It ain't what we say, it's the way that we say it. But it isn't what we just say, it's what we do. It's what we live and who we live for. Paul goes on to say in the message version this, it's obvious, isn't it? that the law code isn't primarily for people who live responsibly, but for the irresponsible, who defy all authority, riding roughshod over God, life, sex, truth, whatever. They are contemptuous of this great message I've been put in charge of by this great God. As I finish today, our lives need to come in line with who we live for. It isn't just good words on a Sunday morning. It isn't just fine things. Our lives need to come in line with who we live for. If we say we want to live for God, then we need to come in line with his guidance for that life. We need to come in line with what he says is the best. You know, we have a rule in our house, and it's simple. No technology in your room if you're under the age of 18. If you're listening, young man at home, no technology in room under the age of 18. We've had that rule for our own children, and the rule is if you break it, you lose the technology. Maybe for a week, maybe for a long time. If it's Ros, it's forever, because that's the way she wants it to be. Can the technology be used in the places it's meant to be used? Yes, it can. Can't it, Corey? Can't it, Joel? It can be used where it needs to be used. Can it be used... You know, in in all other places, yes, it can, but it just stops the temptation to misuse the technology while being too young to understand the consequences and the repercussions. You want to live in our house? You've got to get in line with the guidance. If you want to live in our house, you've got to get in line with the guidance. We might be a bit, you know, we're not going to chuck you out straight away. You know, Barry will testify to that one. But actually, you've got to get in line with our guidance. Do you want to live in God's kingdom? got to get in line with his guidance. We've got to get in line with his guidance. Let me finish by saying this today. What is the whole point of this beginning of this letter? What is the point of building the church? Simply put, it's love. It's how we say things. It's how we live. And it's to stop the meaningless talk, the meaningless chatter. The whole point is love. To be in line with God's guidance and to love God. If we love somebody, we'll follow their guidance. To love others. And maybe then we will learn to love ourselves the way God loves us. And how does He love you today? He says, You're precious. He says, You're my beloved. He says, You're my son or my daughter. And He says, I welcome you with open arms. Timothy wants to build his kingdom. We want to build God's kingdom here in Barrow. How do we do it? Mean this talk aside. Speak truth in love live lives of love and come under the guidance of the king so that we can enter into his kingdom. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the power of your word and I thank you for the simplicity of its message. Father God, help us to see your guidance in the right way. Help us to recognize that your guidance is designed to get the best out of our lives. So, Father, as I pray this morning, as I pray as we come to this end, as we go into worship, I pray, Lord, that we will know the areas of our lives that you are touching, changing, and challenging. That we will be willing to say, yes, shape me, mold me, make me. Father God, if anyone is watching or listening to this this morning who has an issue with their technology, Father God, I pray, Lord, they will seek the help they need to put it down. Father, I pray for marriages in our in our town and in our church i pray lord for relationships that you will be at the center of them that we will learn to love you first that you will be first and that we will come under your guidelines because as we come under your guidelines the best will be coming our way father i pray for those who are watching this this morning who maybe don't know you who are on the fringes who who maybe sometimes bridle at the, the the guidelines that you give Father, I pray, Lord, that they will know that life is meant to be to the full, and Jesus came to give life to the full. Father, I pray, Lord, that anyone who's watching who needs you will get in touch and will ask us how. But, Father, I pray too that people will come back to you, that they will today say, I want to come under your guidelines, I want to fall under your rule because you are the king and you want what's best for me and your kingdom is without end. So Father God, I pray that we will know the truth of your love. In Jesus' name, amen.